I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This week on Feel Good Friday, coming more prevents cancer. Three DNA babies are taking over the UK. Lungs are being delivered by drones. And we break down the 10 best and worst health myths. Let's go. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. <clears throat> Great job. Uh, one take. That was got, one take. And I got a compliment uh, yesterday my, at my, uh, uh, my race night last night um, on the intro. Sweet. And uh, he said... So, was, so whoever was listening liked it? Said it was hilarious. Hey, great. Um, shout out to Ed Walsh. Said it was hilarious and loved the energy. Hey, great. <clears throat> like, love the energy that you brought to the intro. Hey, thanks, Ed. And I said... Uh, and I said... Um, I said, you know, Jair's, that's something that the new that we've been doing. We're doing it, doing it live. Fuck it. We'll, fuck it. Fuck, fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, you know, when you're trying, when you, when you get the sense that, that you're kind of off pace a little bit, then the energy really yeah, comes up. Yeah. Yeah. It's panic time. You're like, <laughs> oh, fuck. They have, oh, shit. The music's about to drop. Well, um, uh, speaking of panic mode. Actually, this was <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, something a little bit interesting today. It's an iPhone update. What are you doing, step bro? <laughs> We're going to talk about ejaculating. Ejaculating. Uh, this is an ejaculation Dude, that, study. That sound is such a Pavlovian, uh, a Pavlovian <laughs> thing for yeah. fucking so many people out there. Yeah, the world's biggest archive of nothing. Is, uh, <laughs> That's right. Pornhub. Uh, ejaculation study. This is really interesting, guys. Harvard Hi, buddy. has been studying ejaculating. Nice. Um, sick. <laughs> despite, despite, this is a really interesting article. Ad, um, and actually, Stina put me onto this. Uh, one of our Discord uh, and patrons, Discord member and patron, uh, Stina, sent a video. I'm not going to reference the video, um, but the stuff in the video is really interesting. And so it made me go down this rabbit hole to find this study. So despite the importance of prostate cancer, uh, its causes r- remain unknown, but scientists do know that genetics play a strong role and they have sound evidence that diet and other lifestyle factors are also important. Okay. In particular. Well, so, well, so this is, so this is where it, it kind of, we, we didn't really know this until, so since the prostate is a reproductive organ that produces fluid for the ejaculate, researchers have long wondered if sexual factors influence a man's risk of prostate cancer. But a Harvard study provides good news for sexually active men. This already immediately makes sense to to my brain because, like, what it's basically saying is that <laughs> lay it out for us. If you're not if you're not cleaning the cobwebs out of your pipes every once in a while, you're at risk of getting some stuff in there that you don't want. And as we know, some mm. some people unfortunately do have just a bunch of cobwebs up in there. 
Yeah, stony, yeah, like, like stony our, like, cobwebs. Yeah, yeah, rocks, rocky cobwebs. Uh, um, so unless that, right, but does that not make sense? Like, well, if you're not cleaning your pipes out, then you're like you're. But here's the thing, Bri. You could be, you could be, you could be asking for some trouble when yeah, these, it's like exercise for your balls, right? Yeah, yeah right. Now, when these Harvard uh, um, nerds were looking into this, they were they were thinking perhaps ejaculating could be a correlation to positive diagnoses in prostate cancer. So they were, they were thinking the opposite of what you're thinking. They oh, were the thinking more that it you might increase the risk right. of prostate cancer? That's right. Now but we're going to find out if you are one of those people who's doing... All right. So the the health professionals, the health. Oh my god! Still going. Dude, my favorite, my favorite scene in all of film history, and it's it goes so much longer when you hear it. I had to cut that down ninety percent. Uh, so the, the health professionals follow uh, follow up study has been collecting information about a large group of volunteers since 1986. OK, uh, all the men are health care providers, including dentists, pharmacists, veterinarians, optometrists, ophthalmologists and um, podiatrists. Uh, most of them are white. Uh, in 1992, 29,342 men between the ages of 46 and 81 provided information about their average number of ejaculations per month. In young adulthood, so 20 to 29, middle age, 40 to 49, and in the most recent year. Ejaculations included sexual intercourse, nocturnal emissions, i.e. wet, wet dreams, dreams. Uh, and masturbation. Dude, urban legend. Nocturnal <laughs> emissions. Dude, how? <laughs> that's a sick fucking metal band name. <laughs> it is, actually. You're going to go see nocturnal band. emissions down at the Marquee tomorrow I night. feel like wet dreams are made up. No, um, no, I don't think so. I think they happen to you. Made up? Are you, wait, are you serious? You've never had a wet dream? No. They happen when you're like 12. What? Yeah, they happen. Well, no, they could happen now. No, uh, I don't have them now. Dude, you, you would. You've had if one? You, if you you've would. both had one? I've yeah, definitely dude. had one, yeah. yeah. I've had fucking tons. I, have I haven't a had thing. tons. I've had like by maybe the way, a couple. By the way, <laughs> nocturnal emissions, this is what they'd sound like. I love my, uh, yeah, Wet Dreams are a, a jam band session. Or would they be like this? Oh, that's okay. Wet Dreams? Yeah, the first yeah, one was Nocturnal makes, Emissions. Yeah, yeah, that that makes, yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah. Well, here's the issue. Yeah, totally. Here's here's the issue as a little aside to this is why I've never had a wet dream or why I think I've never had a wet dream. Because you've always been cleaning the pipes, dude. Well, this is true, but um, I think it has more I to do. I love that you think that. Nocturnal emissions are actually not a real thing. Well, because I've never had one, and I've never really, I've never, I've never gone into. To deep I bet you actually did have one, you do, and you just don't know. No, because I remember fucking hearing about them as a kid and being like, "Fuck, I wonder when that will happen." Because I thought it was an inevitability. Well, let's look it up. Does and everyone <laughs> have well, clearly not everybody? Because knock, I don't. Eternal. But here's the thing. Well, here, let me explain to you. When why, you sleep, why, why, though, when you sleep, there's a bunch of weird stuff that happens when you sleep. When I sleep particularly? You. I'm not talking about like, the, I'm not saying you as in the general population. I'm talking about when Taylor sleeps, you are out to the world. 
you you yes. emit uh you emit a, an odor you emit <laughs> a mess a, yeah it's, it's like, like it's like a, it's like a humidity so like i wouldn't humidity be surprised is such a good word honestly for it. i wouldn't be surprised like if you're just if you're just having a nocturnal emission it's just a part of the fucking humidity that you're adding to your sleep anyway you wake up wet anyway okay okay besides the hilariousness of this running joke um the reason why i think i've never had one is because I have a thing in my sex dreams where oh, yeah. where I, where <laughs> I it, it's always, it always yeah. is ruined. Yeah. It's like, it's like the fight dream when you're, when you're fighting yeah. someone, if you're boxing someone and all of a sudden you're going to punch them, but you're noodle arms. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've yeah. never, and you, I, and I don't even mean, dick. and I mean, and I don't mean like, I just, it's not, I don't mean that I just don't finish in a sex dream. I mean that I'm in a situation where I where like sex or whatever is like about to happen and then right before it even is about to start something goes wrong and then the dream is over or like the fucking situation Ooh. changes I never get into it you have a, a recurring dream where you're constantly the situation may differ but you're you're always getting cock blocked in some way y- yeah totally and then <laughs> and then so like there's never a session that occurs in my you should um there's a there's like a uh like explain your dreams book there's there's a book about this i remember tarot cards do that i remember when i when i was like uh in my like teenage teenage, fucking idiot in my in my youth (laughs) i uh i looked up this book about like the meaning of dreams and and like symbolism in dreams and uh i had this recurring dream when i was a kid where i ran to the front door of my house and tried to open the door and it was locked and then I was banging on the door, and finally my dad opened the door, and he turned into a crocodile. And then you had a nocturnal <laughs> emission. <laughs> and, then I, and then I inexplicably came everywhere. Um, I'm, I'm, sure but, there's, I'm sure there's people out there that are fucking dying to know what the actual study was that we... But, but uh, right. before, before right. we get to that, I do want to say, so a nocturnal emission, a wet dream, is when you jizz yourself while you're sleeping. Uh-huh. Wet dreams can start at age 13 or 14. Around 38% of teen males experience a wet dream before they even learn what it is. Um, nocturnal emissions are more common during, during the teenage years because of sex hormones that are surging. Um, and they're also more common during periods of prolonged sexual abstinence. Wet dreams tend to occur less frequently with age. And not everyone experiences a wet dream. A survey of more than 1,000 males and more than 1,000 females revealed that 66% and 42% of them, respectively, had experienced at least one wet dream, so uh, so yeah, maybe you actually haven't. Yeah. But but I w- I would say I would bet you that donut found a banana. That's dude, he great. took that off there the go, counter, dude. Good, good job. Um, so yeah, so wet dreams. Uh, if you want to know what causes a wet dream during sleep, the blood flow to your organs, penis, uh, may be increased. For penis. for males, this can lead to an erection, aka a hard on. This is very well mm. hard on. Uh, this is the common cause of morning wood in which you awaken with an erection, typically without ejaculation, but sometimes with pre-seminal fluid, also known as pre-cum. Pre-cum. That, they're, 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 this, this is so funny. Nocturnal emissions differ from uh, in, in that orgasm, orgasm occurs during a wet dream. Uh, nocturnal emissions differ in that orgasm occurs during a wet dream. The underlying cause is unknown, but there are several theories among them. Erotic dreams, testosterone surge in teens, and stimulation of the genitals. Um, I mean, I know that when I sleep, I'm just constantly just grinding. 
<laughs> yeah. Just great. That's, what, that's what makes it hard to share a bed with you when we get yeah, away because right. like I'm trying to sleep and you're just rub, rubbing, rubbing up on, you. up on me. Yeah. yeah. It's not the it's not the diesel engine noise coming out of your face. <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then dries all. <laughs> all right. So the Harvard ejaculation study. Um so uh twenty nine thousand three hundred and two males uh between the ages of forty six and eighty one. So they were they were providing information um, on the the uh, the amount of times that they ejaculated per day, um, and the volunteers provided comprehensive health and lifestyle data every two years until the study concluded in two thousand. So the scientists found no evidence that frequent ejaculations mark an increased uh, risk of prostate cancer. In fact, the reverse was true. High ejaculation frequency was linked to a decreased risk compared to men who reported. Four to seven ejaculations per month across their lifetimes. Men who ejaculated 21 or more times each month had a 31% lower risk of prostate cancer. Now, when I read this the first time, I, I remember thinking, 21, I was like, 21 a in a month? Holy fuck. And then, and then I was like, and then, <laughs> and then I went, and you thought about it? Oh. <laughs> and then I realized, I'm probably doing, I'm probably doing more than that. You're probably doing more than 21. Yeah, man. I probably, I probably come once a day. Once a day on average? Yep. That makes me, are you now, ever, was that a lot? That's a yeah, lot. Yeah. Dude, yeah. yeah. I think I'm like, are you, are you on the four to seven a month? No, I'm more on the, I suppose. Uh, I'm doing 31, I'm doing 31 bacocks a month. I average, I average no. two I would say 25 to, th- to 30. I average two to three a week, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm fucking. Yeah. Two to so three like a eight week. to 10. I don't know. 10 to 15 yeah. a, a month. No. Uh, yeah. Eight to 12 a month, maybe. Depends on if it's baby making time. I, I mean, yeah. I, I up my I up my lifetime average uh, during the during the year that Kyle and I were yeah. trying to have. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I, uh, what are I didn't. You- Doing yeah. step, bro. We didn't, I don't have we didn't any. Any, I never have any any, any clean socks, ever. <laughs> I never got the sock. I, I thing. never. I never did the sock thing either. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, so the the this uh, a similar study happened down in uh, Australia. So, an Australian study of two thousand three hundred thirty eight men examined the impact of sexual factors on the occurrence of prostate cancer before the age of seventy, and like the Harvard research. The Australian investigation evaluated total ejaculations rather than sexual intercourse itself. Uh, Like the American men, the Australians who ejaculated most frequently enjoyed a reduced risk of prostate cancer. Mm. The effect was strongest for the frequency of ejaculations in young adulthood, even though prostate cancer was not diagnosed until many decades later. Even so, the apparent uh, protection extended to all groups in all men who averaged four to six ejaculations a week were 36% less likely to be diagnosed with prostate cancer before the age of 70 than men who ejaculated uh, less than 2.3 times a week on average. Oh shit, I'm on the cusp. So you, yeah, I mean like if you want to if you not if, I mean what I learned from the study is if you want to never get prostate cancer guaranteed come 7 days a week. <laughs> well, right. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, a wank a day keeps that prostate cancer away. Cool. So <laughs> This is either, um, you know what I mean? To get this from um, natural marital sources or supplement. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> you use supplementation. You use the supplementation, which... Um, which is probably why your VR headset, Jer, was such a great investment. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jer, Jer, can only, <laughs> Jer can only VR jerk now. Um, here's a here's an interesting. Did um, they say any that there's like heightened risk of like skin irritations and friction burns and things like that? Because like, that's like a lot, you know. It's like a lot. What's a day feels like a lot, to dude. Me. Does it oh, really? Yeah. Does it yeah. really, dude? That, wow, that's interesting, dude. When so so. Oh, by the way, it's uh, masturbation month. So go fuck yourself. Is it really it's masturbation month? Yeah, May is, May, is, May is CF Awareness Month and Masturbation Month. For you, it's Masturbation Month every month. That's um, goddamn right about that, uh, Jared. That's curious, a lot for you. Um, we've been we've been back on the we've been on the gym grind, yeah. and uh, we're like a month and a half into a pretty regular routine. Have you experienced heightened uh, sex drive since you've gone back to the gym, or were you were you a once a day kind of guy before as well? Um, no, actually, to be honest with you, my, my sex drive, um, probably lowered a bit since we started going to the gym. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I, find, I find, uh, I find that I actually yeah. enjoy like in periods of like heightened work but I, I focus. Think, I think that's, mo- I think that's mostly because of a, like a, a, a big change in lifestyle. Yeah. So like, you know, a little bit more tired, like that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, Sorry. You probably, re- you probably readjust to it, but, but, yeah. um, I find that. In periods of like, especially in periods of like high, high output um, training on the bike and then also in like work focus when work focus is like really, really necessary. I find that I enjoy less ejaculation because I find that that I almost like Have you ever seen the episode of Seinfeld where George George becomes a genius when he when he becomes abstinent. <laughs> yeah, know, right, he's, yeah, he puts up he, he yeah. like puts off sex and all of a sudden like within like a week. He's like, I read this entire university textbook last night. Do you know how amazing, do you know how fascinating the physics of the universe is? And Jerry's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he's like, I'm never having sex again, Jerry. This is amazing. I can't believe I've been going my whole life as an idiot. <laughs> um, it's really funny. And then he, and then he, and then he has, and then he, he falls off the wagon and has sex and, and he like becomes like a blubbering idiot, like immediately. <laughs> um, I feel, I've always actually like on a low, much lower level connected with that. Like, I feel like I am on, like, the sharp edge of cognitive ability and, like, physical capacity when I am not having sex. Mm. That's why you were doing uh, NoFap November. No I, fap November. I don't participate. Tay's a big R NoFap guy on Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Tay's one of the R NoFap Reddit moderators. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's an R NoFap mod. Actually, I've might- heard from you guys that that is the most, uh, what is it, like, the most toxic <laughs> fucking uh don't, don't pretend like you internet? don't know <laughs> that's toxic because you run it <laughs> it's toxic because you're the one who's on there fucking calling the shots yeah, it's calling everybody who faps blubbering idiots <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i'm not although, Blubber, blubbering <laughs> although i am not a, a no fapper i i do i do connect with some of the uh, Taylor works to train himself. Taylor will like be working and you know, he's getting into like the, like the training mode of no fap when he puts his headphones on while he's at work. He like, he'll just go like, he doesn't even say anything to us. He just takes his headphones, puts them on and then 
This is all he's listening to. <laughs> and, then, and then he does this with his face. He's like. <laughs> I got to get this email. <laughs> oh God, this, you got to turn that off now. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what's, what? Uh, I, I haven't thought about it as consciously as this in a really long time. Do you think that this is placebo? Or do you think that there's something to oh, it? Oh, I don't know. I'm really interested. I'd be really interested to know if there's something to it. Um, if anybody has any information about that, I'd be... Well, I'm no. going to Google it. I'm smarter when I don't come. But, um, but, further, <laughs> but further to that, further to that is that consciously, back when, uh, from like the age of 20 to about 27, when I was like doing different yoga trainings every year, like was, was like really heavily involved in the yoga scene, um, I would, whenever I would go to a training, there was kind of like this, there's kind of this um, practice of nofap. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yes, in, in more, more crass terms, but there, but there is a, there is a sort of, uh, um, what would it be like a philosophy in, in, um, in yoga where it's not like a don't have sex or like a celibacy thing. Um, but it is sort of this idea that, that sexual energy is energy and that you can kind of like redirect it if you're not. And it, and it sort of speaks of it speaks about sex in the way that it's like, like expel that energy when it is like useful, when it's like a bond with somebody, whatever, like when it's important, like when it makes sense on like various different levels, don't just give it away. It's like be intentional with yeah, it. Yeah. Be intentional with your sexual energy. So if you have sexual energy and you can't put it anywhere intentionally, then redirect it into whatever your practice <laughs> no, specifically not a sock, but put it, but put it back into, but put it back into something oh, yeah, you know, yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I always, <laughs> I, I always sub, kind of subscribe to that whenever I do yoga trainings, I'd be like, okay, well during this, whatever 30 days, 15, whatever it was. Okay. Like no, no fat during this time yeah. and kind of like redirect that energy elsewhere. You know why that's a, a part of yogic philosophy? Um, to uh, because yoga comes from India and it was a, 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 a it was it was put in there by the government to reduce the population. No, it was actually actually <laughs> no. no, it was actually <laughs> because of <laughs> that sounded that sounded that sounded like it could possibly be true. Yeah, I was or, like, whoa, dude, or that's it could wild, be <laughs> because the spiritual leaders at these trainings actually don't want competition um sexual competition there so they're Amen. like hey nobody should be having sex unless it's intentionally with me. with me that's right i watched that documentary yeah right i mean that could be true could be it's something that's in the yoga sutra so it's like three thousand years mm -hmm. but i mean you know who knows they could be they you know they could have had manipulative gurus yeah. 3, well jared years did you too. find if there was any Science behind? Uh... Um, well, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of science to what happens to your brain when you orgasm. Um, and But there wasn't anything that like really makes you... It makes you... It, you do release hormones that make you... That sometimes make people feel sleepy. So that could be like one of the things where you're like, oh, like like when I feel sleepy, I don't feel like I can... I know, that there, I, know, I know that there's science behind like if you are competing in the morning or like the next day before noon, like don't have sex the night before. I know there that is that's there, like uh, that was a common thing that I heard During when paddling, I was paddling. Same. Yeah. 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 Which I actually think that's a myth. No, it's not. I, is it not? No, it's not. Um, uh, should I come 
before the big race. I think there's like <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a I think there's a window. It's like if it's if it's before uh, Runners World. Here here we go. This is this is runnersworld.com. Um Great. it's a uh that's a running coaches website. Um this is perfect uh, for me. I'm looking for some uh, running Brian's advice. Doing, Brian's doing an impromptu half marathon on <laughs> Before Sunday. this weekend. He hasn't run. He's run once in the past six months. So um, this will be great for me. As runners, <laughs> we are a superstitious group. We don't want anything. We don't want to do anything different, even if it's something we love. Uh, a 14-time marathoner and board-certified OBGYN with the women's group the Northwestern uh, of Northwestern Chicago. But physiologically, there are there is no reason why you can't or shouldn't have sex the night before a big race. Uh, one cut to the chase editorial in the clinic clinic journal of sports medicine titled does sex the night before competition decrease performance reviewed three studies on pre uh, pre-race sex and found no reason it would cause a decline in performance. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I remember hearing that that was a myth and, um, and uh, it stuck. Okay. What but about it certainly hot makes tubs? You, it certainly makes you <laughs> feel less energetic. Like you don't like, like mm, not, not me. Do, we didn't, dude, when I, when I, Oh man. Why do you think I have so much energy every day, all day? Because I'm coming seven days a week. <laughs> I always feel like I could just, I, I, you guys know, napping is like, napping is a foreign concept to me. Like, I don't even yeah. understand yeah. the idea of you taking should, a nap. But it, yeah. they're actually good for you. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, anyway, whatever. it's foreign to you. Yeah, it's, for foreign, it's foreign to me because like, I just, I never get this feeling that I need that, that like sleeping in the, during the day is. Even if I could never, the, the feeling never comes. The guy never naps. The guy it. never wet dreams. The guy never feels empathy <laughs> for others. It. I just mean, this guy's it. never, a never, people, never. People who nap are the types of people you'd bully. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Hey, right. but like, but that makes me, but when I, but if I were to have sex in the middle of the day, I could take a nap right afterwards. It's like a wave of like, I could just be completely still and not do anything. See, I prefer that's interesting daytime sex I get, over. I get that feeling, but that feeling only lasts. I, so, A, I don't get that feeling when I have a wank. I do get that feeling when I make fuck. But that feeling lasts for five minutes. And, like, in that five minutes, it's just, like, laying there yeah. naked, cuddling. Yeah, yeah. And then the five minutes is over, and it's like, all right, cool. Let's get up. Let's go. Woo. Let's go, baby. Yeah. See, I'm more Kyla's like also a, the exact I get, I get like I get energized. If Kyla has an orgasm, she's like, she, she feels like she's. She's like on top of the world. She's ready to fucking keep going. Well, there's a thing. There, Whereas I'm like, no. I, when it, when I it comes to like male yeah. and female Rest. hormones released during sex, um, that is actually something that I, I recently, actually, I think Huberman was talking about it recently, um, about how it's the, so for men, it's, I think it's prolactin that gets released after probably, you. Probably females. Prolactin's a... Is that, is I, don't, that, I, don't, anyway, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know if men make Who, who fucking cares? Sure. But the, the men get sleepy and the women get jacked up. And like that was what I took from Huberman. Speaking of coming, guys, let's talk about babies being Wait, born. I had one more thing oh, that I needed to know about sakes. that. Just, just, um, just while we're busting myths, because well, we're we, gonna be busting a bunch more myths. Okay, later. but I just need to know: can is going in a hot tub the day before a competition bad for you? Oh fuck, I don't know. I just really need to know while we're while we were talking about is the, going in the hot tub before the big race. <laughs> bad <laughs> let's see a hot tub is not a problem if only used for a few minutes if the athlete soaks in the tub for a long time then he may get dehydrated which would be a problem also if he has water jets directly on a specific muscle then that muscle might become petite or uh, similar to having a deep massage so 
few minutes, Bri, it's okay, but don't like don't stick your dick in the in the jet and you'll be good. You don't want to stick your dick in the jet if you're about to have sex. I'm gonna start laying fatigue that muscle. Start laying in the hot tub, um, public hot tub with my abs against it. Against the jet, so that I get an ab workout. There you go. You can just get that thing on the infomercial that just shakes your abs until they turn into yeah, water boards. Um, there is a baby that was born in the UK with from three people's DNA. We talked about this before. Uh, this is the first time in the UK. A baby has it been born be. using three people's DNA for the first time in the UK. A fertility regulator has confirmed. We've talked about this before. Nope. Not. Don't you remember this conversation? I this, remember something like this, but when... It was in the UK. What was this? This how, was the UK. How recently was this? Oh, it might have this been. This was very recent. Because um, we talked about... Uh, <laughs> how recent? Super recent. <laughs> like how so most of their... Scale uh, one to ten. <laughs> most of their DNA comes from two parents and around 0.1% from a third donor woman. That's what they say. Uh, the pioneering technique is an attempt to prevent children being born with devastating mitochondrial diseases. Now, this is the interesting part. So uh, fewer than five such babies have been born. It's only a handful. But no further details have been released. Mitochondrial diseases are incurable and can be fatal within days or even hours of birth. I didn't know anything about this. Like Some, SMA type stuff? I think... Uh, I think, I think uh, 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 fuck, what's it called? Atkinson's? Is it Atkinson's or... Um, uh, the 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 adrenal, the adrenal uh, disease. Uh, oh, that, um, uh, that uh we covered on the show. Why am I fucking blanking on um? This is great. This is great radio. Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, Addison's disease. Addison's disease. Um. So mitochondrial diseases are incurable and can be fatal within days or even hours of birth. Some families have lost multiple children, and this technique is seen as the only option for them to have a healthy child of their own through this uh, triple DNA baby shit. So uh, mitochondria are the tiny compartments inside nearly every cell of the body that converts food into usable energy, okay? Right. Defective mitochondria fail to fuel the body and lead to brain damage, muscle wasting, and heart failure and blindness. Holy fuck. That's a lot of bad. Um, they are passed down only by the mother. So mitochondrial donation treatment is a modified form of IVF that uses mitochondria from a healthy donor egg. There, uh, there are two techniques for performing mitochondrial donation. One takes place after the mother egg has been fertilized by the father's sperm, and the other takes place before fertilization. So I have a photo here. That's so crazy. Two ways mitochondrial donation can work. Method one. Egg repaired after fertilization. So step one, the parent's embryo. Uh, you, you see the image here. There's an unhealthy, they have unhealthy mitochondria. So they take the nuclear material, they save it from the parents. Then step two, donor embryo, they take the, the healthy mitochondria um, of, the, of the donor, they remove the nucleus. And then step three, they keep that healthy mitochondria and they insert the parent's nuclear material inside. So it's surrounded by the healthy mitochondria of the donor. Okay. I have a question. So an embryo is when is created when a sperm fertilizes an egg, right? And then that's an embryo. Ask daddy over here. Yeah. But three days later, okay. it becomes an embryo. So when those two things come together and create the embryo, it was showing that there's a, a, there's two things there. There's there's two embryos. There's the parent's embryo and there's the donor yeah. embryo. 
is the donor embryo also fertilized? Because I'm imagining that that has to be made. If the donor embryo, is that made by the male sperm and the females, the um, healthy mitochondria female's egg to create the embryo with the healthy mitochondria cells or mitochondria? Right. Like how do you get how do you get an embryo from somebody else? Right. You have to you must have to fertilize the egg with the sperm, right? I mean I don't know. Obvi- can we can we you- like take a look at this again? Right. So okay, so what we're looking at here is <laughs> we is have fun. we have the parents embryo and the donor embryo. So the parents and the donor are the three sets of DNA. Mm-hmm. So the parent embryo has unhealthy mitochondria, but the nuclear material is good. So they remove the nuclear material from the parent's embryo, mom and dad. They take that nuclear material and they, uh, they insert it into the embryo of the donor while removing the, the donor's nuclear mm-hmm. material. Mm-hmm. So then you have the sort of outer rings of, a, yeah. of the donor's mitochondria within the embryo, but the nuclear material is the parent's. And that's the three DNAs coming yes. together. Okay. Now, the donor embryo, how do we get an embryo from a donor? That would, that would, be, that would be made from most likely the... Um, biological the, dad's sperm? biological sperm. father's sperm, yeah. Yeah. So the, so, the de- so the biological father would be fertilizing the, the mom and fertilizing the, the donor. Yeah, because if it, because then, because then there would be not naturally, then there would be four, then there would be four, then there'd be four involved if there yeah. was another. Wow, right. wow, I wonder, are we going to be doing four DNA babies? Right, I mean, because you could like there probably I could imagine a world Taylor where like you have a frozen embryo right now, and if you decided that you weren't going to use that, and there was somebody who could use your healthy mitochondria from that embryo, then you could perhaps donate that to another couple, um, but then their baby would then have your your and Kyla's DNA. That's right. And the two parents. That's right. Yeah. Right? So there's two ways of doing it. We, we, the first one. The second one is egg repaired before fertilization. So step one, you have the mother's egg, which has the unhealthy mitochondria. The nuclear material is saved. You have the donor egg, which has the healthy mitochondria. They remove the nucleus uh, and destroy it. And then they take the healthy egg, and it can now be fertilized with the mother's nuclear material placed inside it. Right. Because- I mean, for, for anybody who's like curious about this, go to uh, in the edit of this episode. I don't know what it will be, but like around thirty to thirty-five minutes, somewhere in that region, you're going to find the graphic for this. The graphic is the really graphic helpful. really makes it. Yeah, makes it. Make it a if lot you of bring sense. that back up for a second, Jared. So basically, the second option, because we're assuming that the father's DNA is already that there's the father's sperm has been used to um, fertilize the egg and create that second embryo. So you have that healthy egg, which has already been fertilized by the father's. Actually, sorry, the healthy egg hasn't in the second option hasn't yet been fertilized right. by the father's yeah. sperm. But because the biological father is going to fertilize, that sperm will be used to fertilize that egg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've fixed the egg before, and then the sperm fertilizes. So the it. interesting thing about this is that mitochondria have their own genetic information or DNA. Uh, which means that technically the resulting children inherit, inherit DNA from their parents and a smidge from the donor as well. And this is a permanent change that would be passed down through the generations. Um, this donor DNA is only relevant for making effective mitochondria. It does not affect other traits such as appearance and does not constitute a third parent. 
they just have this like little tiny bit of a DNA change that goes that they'll, they'll carry on. And I'm assuming mitochondrial diseases are probably there's probably a pretty large genetic component to them. So yeah, you're, yeah. you are you I would are say probably that's actually that's actually a pretty because that's not that it's kind of like a proxy for CRISPR because mm-hmm. because you because you it's are similar, you yeah. are affecting um uh a somatic i believe it's a somatic genetic change is something that happens with a person and then dies with the person but a germline genetic change is something that will then pass on mm. so now, it's kind of it's sort of like a proxy for a germline yeah uh dna change you know what's similar to it? it's it's kind of like the equivalent of um, genetically of modified stuff. food when they they like you're you're modifying the mm-hmm. the gene line of uh yes. or the genetics of the food when you're when you're like taking these things and cutting them and yep. fertilizing them together or whatever but it's natural it's not happening by crispr mm-hmm. um and which is kind of the same thing that's happening here with the mitochondria yes so the the first baby born with this technique was a jordanian family having treatment in the US in 2016 so maybe we, we could we have talked talking about, about that cuz i remember we talked about we talked about where this was legal, like there's places like it's not legal to do this in Canada, mm-hmm. but the, and so that we, I, I remember having that conversation about this. Um, there is technically a risk of reversion, where any defective mitochondria that are carried over could gain in number and still result in in the disease. Um, and there's not a lot of like info out there about this. There's only been five babies. They're not really. They're kind of keeping tight lift about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it has been estimated that up to 150 such babies could eventually be born each year in the UK. Wow, uh, using this this technique. It's interesting because um, Trippy, eh? it's the thing that I find most fascinating. But is that really based on like genetic traits? There's no impact. So like the way that the person looks yeah. and and the way that the kid will end up, they're they're not going to have any of these traits yet. They still have some of the DNA. Yeah, but it's just to like sort of, you know, quote unquote, cure this potential mito- right. mitochondria yeah. disease, which could be used. I wonder if like a similar thing could be used with like cystic fibrosis in taking out the, you know, doing something that like helps to take away if there's two people who are going to have a baby, a baby and they're both carriers of the um, uh, cystic fibrosis gene, then can you do something that's not CRISPR, but actually modifies the cells in some ways to make them not have, well, yeah. no, it's a, I mean, I was going to say thing, that's but, straight up CRISPR stuff. Yeah. 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 What's interesting, what 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 my, where my mind goes with this, because like anything that we do in science to do to to cure disease or to improve the outcomes of somebody who is living with a disease, most things have a potential preventative or augmentation component to them. So, like mitochondria, um, like the people, like people, like incre- like top end world class elite athletes their mitochondria works differently than ours like it just they create they create energy atp in the cells at a rate that like we're just never be able to do genetically we just can't we just can't do it you can train all you want you're just never going to get you're just never going to get it um unless you are in endowed with that capacity for your mitochondria to work so efficiently Mm -hmm. that you can just create atp and so what um, you're saying is in, that there's a, a risk of somebody abusing this system where they use it in a way that, um, you know, they're going to do IVF. A couple's going to do IVF and they're like, what if we just got like 
ultra marathoner Dean Karnazes to like come in and give us some mitochondria. No, I don't think it's a. Ri- I don't think it's a risk. What I think is what I think is that it's interesting because it does. It could be like some type of performance enhancing thing, but for the rest of life, which is the ninety nine percent of the life that you'll live is outside of any sport application. Having the healthiest possible mitochondria is the most desired I mean, thing to have. You'd have to have a a, a biological female with um with really awesome mitochondria to do this. But do you think that there is the potential where a couple is like, Hey, what we could just pay a little bit of extra money during IVF to like get some like super high performing athletic female to donate mitochondria just to like, you know, put it into our, our, our gene line to, to, to help, Maybe. you know, our, I mean, our we're a long, we're perform. a long way. We're obviously a long way off from that because they even said in this thing that like, it might not even cure this disease. So obviously we're nowhere near like enhancing somebody's, you know, I guess it's the same conversation with CRISPR. Yeah. It's like, we're a long way off from it, but it is like, it does kind of pose this question. That's like, maybe that's possible. And in a lot of ways it's a good way. And then in the sports sense, it's kind of like there's ethical things and everything, but in the, in the broader like life sense, mommy and daddy, it's good for your bank account. You want your, you want, you you want to like, going to grow up and buy and like be like, I'm buying you a G wagon. It's an investment. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's an an investment. investment. Right. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um the uh the first lungs delivered by drone what really happened. do you guys see mark rober's video about the drone deliveries they're doing to in africa for um remote health clinics where they're like bringing oh, like organs yes, and I stuff did no did you see the like drone that. delivery system that's happening uh, above prisons across the u.s no yeah. What are they delivering? They like sneak fucking contraband and shit. Yeah. yeah. What, Cell like, phones and like, drugs. Like, and like, like, like high flying drones just dropping shit. Yeah. Well, like, oh, some like, dude with his no, some TJI guy with a fucking, fucking Mavic. Not a, not a fucking Lockheed Martin drone. <laughs> like some fucking ding dong who bought a drone from Canadian Tire. Yeah, they have, fly, have to fly it relatively high. They yeah, fly I mean, high, dude. Over a gym or over a, over a gym over a, over the gym of a of a, of a fucking prison. <laughs> yeah, because just... it is in the, it's the out it's the outside gym. Is where they're dropping right. stuff. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, where, where lung, were we? lung delivery. <laughs> As uh, organ transplant science advances, the biggest hurdles are increasingly logistical ones, such as securing a flight and navigation through traffic fast enough to deliver an organ before it deteriorates. Oh, okay. This makes way more sense. Is this now. Dr. When, when Sheldon Cheska is doing this? When you well, said no, it at but, first, uh, but he, this would be right up his alley. Yeah. When you said it at first, I was like, why do they use a drone to drop lungs into somebody's chest? <laughs> that seems crazy. Are you serious? That, that is where I, that where, is where I was like, you thought I was like, this makes no sense. <laughs> it seems more difficult. Wow, what a totally amazing, excellent discovery. Um, enter the drone uh, for which researchers recently documented a milestone test in science robotics. After hundreds of practice flights, their drone carried a human donor lung on a five-minute journey from the roof of Toronto Western Hospital 
to Toronto General Hospital for a successful transplant. The trip can take 25 minutes by road. Uh, so they're cutting off 20 minutes there. That's pretty, pretty impressive. It only took five minutes together. That's it. Oh, wow. uh, the study suggests that drone delivery, quote, may have a unique opportunity for organs like hearts and lungs that can tolerate less time on ice. Now, here's the thing. These guys didn't even fucking realize that if you just keep it 10 degrees warmer or wherever the fuck it was the other day we were talking about it, this yeah. thing can la- it can last for months. Um, so, uh, they, dummies, <laughs> you fucking, um, the transplant surgeon, uh, now at medical university of South Carolina, Joseph Scalia, uh, who was not involved in the study, um, said that we may have a unique opportunity for organs like hearts and lungs that can tolerate less time on ice. In 2019, his team at the university of Maryland made a ground groundbreaking drone delivery of a kidney, an organ that can survive 24 hours if packed in ice. Lungs and hearts less, uh, last for less than half that long. Uh, for the new study, Toronto General, which performed its first successful lung transplant in 1983, uh, and Unither Bioelectronics uh, replaced a commercial drone's landing gear with a lightweight carbon fiber container for the large and fragile organ. The team enhanced the drone's conne- uh, connectivity so radio frequencies wouldn't interfere with its GPS and installed a parachute to set open automatically in case of midair malfunction. Since the successful test flight, the researchers have been working with aviation authorities to create a drone corridor uh, through commercial airspace. Uh, But there are regular regulatory hurdles. For example, civilians are typically not allowed to fly drones beyond their visual line of sight in densely populated areas. Shaf Kashavji, director of Toronto General's lung transplant program, um, oh, interesting. Does that, did they take over from, uh, from, uh, John, John, John Granton? No, John Granton wasn't at Toronto general. I don't think anyway, whatever St. Mike's, um, it, he envisions drones someday carrying lungs, long distances for specialized repair to make them transplant ready for now though. He's focusing on the journey from the airport to the hospital, which takes 40 minutes in traffic and just, uh, eight by drone 40 minutes in traffic. Are you fucking, that's not true. Have you ever driven from the fucking downtown Toronto to the airport during traffic? You're looking at like an an hour hour and and 15, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The fuck are you guys talking about? Why can't they? I guess if you're in a, I guess if you're in a ambulance with the lights on, maybe that is 40 minutes. That's what I mean. Like, can't you, can't. Me and an Uber? Not so much. Can't they, can't they just use an ambulance with lights? Yeah, they, right. Total, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're going, fuck that. Let's put it. You know what I want to see? Ambulances can't just like fly. They should they be just, able to. Him no, 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 we've talked, no, no. We've talked about par- to paramedics about this, but, but just like, like safety wise in a city, I mean, it's like, kind of annoying. You're gonna go through a red light. Like you got to make sure you're not gonna crash. If you crash, then yeah, stick fucking... those things twenty feet in the air. You go wherever you want. They it's should a be fucking able to... turn turn that shit into um this uh uh the the, the fifth element. Can you give me a hand my charger? Um, look, I, here's what I'm curious about. Wait, what's the fifth element reference? All the, cars are, all the cars are flying. Oh, oh, okay. Right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, and ba- big bada boom. That's how she. <laughs> right. Yeah. Big bada boom. She I falls think... through his taxi and he's like, oh my God. And he turns around and it's, it's like the fucking most beautiful human he's ever Dude, seen in his life. He's I... like, bada, big bada boom. And he's like, yeah, yeah, big bada boom. Do you guys think, <laughs> oh, um, God, I want to watch the fifth element. I think again. more people would want to be. One of the be, best movies of all time. Um, I used to watch it every week as a kid. Yeah. Do you think uh, more people would want to be paramedics or like firefighters, drivers of the vehicles if they knew they could drive like fifty percent faster? Dude, it seems like it's you know what I want to be. I, 
I would be well, I would well, I would want to be one of these drone operators if we got to a point where because like think about it this way. You know, they're recruiting gamers. FPV. Think about it this way. Let's say, God forbid, God forbid. I die. God forbid. Walking outside, I fall, break my neck. And not not fall. that they're you know, I'm I'm Brian goes out, dies, falls, breaks his neck. God forbid. God forbid. And and they come and they get Brian's body, right? Now, Brian's body is dead, and, and let's say you're, you're dona- donating your organs. Look, I don't know anything about organ donation, but let's just assume, for the sake of this made-up hypothesis... I feel like you know a little bit about it. ...that Brian's lungs will be good in his body. You take him out of the body, and you've got whatever, whatever it is, 40 minutes. Yeah, it's like but a keep him chicken in, outside of the fridge. Keep him in the body? Yeah. Maybe, he's, maybe you got... 17 hours right so here's the thing yeah i think i think what if we get to a point where personal we use familial issues we use the drones not to carry the lungs in a little fucking basket the whole fucking man take the man yeah right string that bitch up and fucking fly so we're just seeing flying corpses on drones it would actually be super easy screw like like screw some hooks just yeah meat hooks just right you wouldn't even you wouldn't even need to because it doesn't take that long for rigor mortis to set in. So if you just yeah. like hold their arms up for long enough, stick right. stick them just, underneath the wings, right? Or yeah, underneath the blades, put them under the propellers. Put or two hooks here on the shoulders, you know one on each shoulder, guys? one on each hip. Uh, a friend of mine who's do the, a nurse. Do the organs last in the body for a little bit longer because of the temperature of the body? Or yeah, is just it like, like a fridge, just uh, just like um well, chicken it's the outside of a of fridge. It is the, the opposite, thing. but I mean, right now, effect. right now in my body, it's hot as fuck. Yeah. Right? Like, how come these lungs aren't rotting away? Well, because there's a they're whole working. bunch of reasons for that. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Dude, it's it's the same reason why if you clean your pipes, then then you don't get a cancer. But uh, guys, my my friend who's a nurse, um, you don't um, have any friends, Brian. <laughs> was uh, that's how was, we know you're lying. Was uh, told me about uh, rigor mortis the other day. So um, they were. There was a really sad situation where this this young guy rigor mortis. <laughs> I barely even know her. You know, <laughs> this young guy passed away, oh. and um and he was um, oh. Oh. and he was sitting up in in the like kind of leaned up in the the hospital bed, and uh, like when he passed away, yeah. He and they up. had uh, they had no, a, he a died, bunch and of, then he went. <laughs> they, they had a bunch of family members come by to say goodbye to say their goodbyes, and they wanted to keep him in the. The hospital room. I didn't know this, but um, I didn't think of this, I guess. But I guess when I think about it, it makes sense. But nurses will wrap up the bodies of people when they die, like yeah. wrap them in a, like wrap them up in whatever they wrap them up in. Um, whatever they got. Saran wrap. But this guy, because he was sitting up. Newspapers. But because this guy was sitting up, he was so, like after, I don't know, an hour or two, he was yeah, so. How long does it take for rigor mortis to kick in? It was in? fast. Like it was pretty fast, apparently. Huh. He was so stiff they couldn't move his arms down or anything, so they had to wrap him Whoa. sitting up, which is fucking crazy. Because Man. then you take him to the funeral home or whatever. And I gotta say, I thought there was to, gonna like, be more to that story. Like, I gotta, I gotta, but did you know that? Did you think of that? How scary would it be to see a stretcher with one of those bo- black body bags with his body in it? Right, that's and what he's I'm just seeing. sitting up. Okay, you thought it was like in, more, in a fucking hallway. That you would thought be scary. There, was, there had to be more than that. The story. Well, I, I mean, when you make, when you evoke that imagery, it, it, I, my, my evaluation, my like, my, my, my tomato, my tomato meter just went up. 
Right. Oh, Rigor mortis yeah. appears oh, approximately two hours after death, and the muscles or of the face progress uh, progresses to the limbs over the next few hours, completing between six to eight hours after death. Guys, I have a request wow. for you. I'm not going to put this in like my advanced directive or anything, but just let it be known right now that um, when I die, if if you guys are there, put you in a fun we, shape. Do me in a fun shape. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, like, like even like, like eyes like open or little like, teapot. <laughs> you're gonna have to put that in your will. Yeah. No, no. Because this is just if you don't. Just evoke this recording. I'm gonna, of I'm this. gonna put you in the gritty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> all right. Let's let's move on um, to uh, just remember this. <laughs> we'll clip this and save it. Clip yeah. it. Uh, let's move on to uh, a new segment. I like to call. Actually, this isn't a segment at all. Uh, let's move on to the ten best and worst health myths and wisdom. That's a shitty title. Yeah. Well, don't blame me. <laughs> totally. Blame the Guardian. Um, oh, no. So here we go. There's 10 health myths. And I'm, I'm curious to see which ones you... Because here's the thing. We already hit two in of these, them. In yeah, these we myths. Did. We've been talking about them. In these myths, there are some things in here that like people still believe. I'm sure. So, uh, so let's go through and see if you guys still believe any of them. 5G government interference. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're... they're um, they're dumber than that, actually. <laughs> Are they? Uh, Are they? I mean, that's there, there is dumb. one that's there's one that's pretty dumb, and I'm, it shocks me that people still believe it. No offense, because guaranteed, there's going to be a bunch of people listening to this, and they hear this, and they're, like, they're going to go. Do you no think way. that any of us? You might. You might. I mean, I don't know. I, I doubt it, but you might. All okay. right. So here we go. Myth number one: Chicken soup helps cure colds and flu. True or false? True. False. false true. <laughs> no, it's false, obviously. But it. But according it, to the Guardian. Oh, never mind. It's true. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> uh, the Guardian is a reputable source. Uh, true. Uh, when you've got a cold, the best thing you can do is eat a hearty, nutritious soup. The says, best thing you can do? Yeah, it says Rhiannon Lambert. It's a nutritionist. the best thing yep. that you could yep. possibly yep. do. Yep, a nutritionist and the author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well. Chicken contains vitamin B12, uh, plus other antioxidants and vitamins, which support the immune system and aid digestion. It's also rich in protein, which is a good for cellular repair. Adding more vegetables also increases the vitamins and minerals that are needed to aid recovery. So true, 100%. The best thing you can do okay, is wait, eat chicken Wait, 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 wait. But are we talking about a, mm. like, a Lipton, like, chicken noodle soup in a box or bag that you just pour into? It just a, says chicken noodle soup. It doesn't matter where like, it comes from. It's just chicken noodle soup. talking about, like, you made a chicken yeah, last yeah. night, and you have the bones, and you boil a broth, and then you... You put your own chicken in, uh, and then your own ch- yeah. fresh chopped vegetables. I would guess that the the between those two, it it doesn't make a difference, right? Yeah. So right. Uh, here we go. Sure. Number number two. <laughs> number two. Chocolate causes acne. True uh, or false? That That's is false. False. Um, How do you know that? Because I heard because that of it's the a myth. Uh, because of the is that a heritage moment? <laughs> it was. <laughs> is that a is that a, no? It wasn't a heritage moment. <laughs> The I People eat too many, say I eat too many, many chocolate, chocolate bars. bars. Uh, yeah, whether I don't wash not, my face. Yeah, that that is a heritage moment. <laughs> that is a heritage moment. Yeah, it was oh. about it was about all the all the Canadian kids who had bad acne. <laughs> no, it was. It was all, just, the, all those French Canadian no, acne French Canadian. It was just it was an anti-bullying on, ad. Oh, it was yeah, just yeah. on amongst a lot of it was, heritage it was moments a PSA when we were kids. It was the same yeah. type of yeah. So, uh, quote: The skin is your largest organ, and it has its own microbiome, its own bacteria. So the better you eat, the better your skin, says Lambert. Uh, small amounts of chocolate won't hugely impact skin health, but chocolate with less sugar and uh, dairy is better. More important for skin health is hydration. You should drink a minimum of uh, whatever. Fucking drink. You drink water. Um, uh, for most people, about two liters a day at yeah. least. 
Plus um, steps. Plus another liter if you're exercising-ish. That's a broad strokes. But All right, how about this one? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. True, True. or false? Uh, an, an apple, apple a day, day keeps the doctor away. True. True or false? These are... False. This is. I mean, fucking. What? So you said By true? what measure? No, you said true. Yes. True. All right. 100%. True. False. False. This, false. this fucking idiot. Over know, here. Right. Uh, actually, it's false. You're right, Taylor. Um, quote. It's untrue, but this is really funny. <laughs> Basically, what they say here is that if you eat an apple a day, if you don't eat an apple a day, you're a fucking idiot. Is basically what this is saying. What? You are stupid. Definitely, because you need your fruit. You need eight. No, fruit, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with whether or not you're smart or dumb. If right. you eat an apple a day, you're smart. If you don't eat an apple a day, you're a fucking. Well, that makes dumb. sense because if you're a teacher at a school, then generally kids bring you apples every day. There you go. And therefore, you're probably eating lots of apples, which means that you're smart because you're a teacher. So here's what they say: It's untrue, but it may keep you away from the pharmacy, says Dr. Hazel Wallace, a nutritionist and author of The Female Factor. Quote, one study looked at healthcare practices of daily apple eaters and found they used fewer prescription medications. This How had do you more get to your... do this had more to do with them being healthier overall. Apple eaters also had higher educational levels and were less likely to smoke than specifically with eating apples. However, since apples are nutritious, one a day is not a bad idea. If you do not eat apples, you are have a low education. You are stupid. You are stupid. There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. I just want to say if they, How many apples a day do you eat? I eat uh, usually about an apple five days a week. So right. almost an apple a day. I don't. I jerk off seven days a week, so I'm <laughs> stupid and you're educated. Um, I have a question, though. How do we get our prescription medications in Canada? At the pharmacy. And how do we get the prescriptions to go to the pharmacy? I'm the doctor. So how, if it's going to help us stay away from the pharmacist. Where are, the, where are these prescriptions coming from? Right, the doctor. Right. So does an apple a day keep the doctor away? No. No. What? I mean, <laughs> how does it, guys? The logic just... Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, how about this one? This is, this is the... So how about this one? Going out with wet hair gives you a cold. Yes, true. Uh, no, that is untrue. No, that's true. That is, do you actually think that's true? It's fucking true. It's not true. So that was the one that I was like, maybe you guys will actually think this is true. That is false as fuck. Um, right. And so many people think that's true. So true. many people think that it is yeah, true. Because that a cold, because like acute, you don't just get bacteria in your body because well, that's you, the thing. your hair is wet. No, but, but you lose but like body cold, heat through your head. A cold and flu is, a, is bacteria, bacteria and, vi and viral Bacterial or, or viral doesn't matter. Yeah. It, but the, the, wet, the wetness of hair and the cold temperature has nothing to do but with it. It could make no. you more susceptible to, because to, it, to when you are exposed, it might it compromise might, your immune system. It might make you more exposed, uh, more vulnerable to for sure to bacteria and viral con viral content when you are exposed. So because because your because your body is expending more energy to 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 keep your body warm because you lose the most amount of heat through the top of your head. That's also false. <laughs> That's also a false in this fucking but, thing. But how is it false that you lose heat through the top of your head? It's false. You, the, why you would don't it be lose true? the majority of the heat through your head. That's, why, that's why, a false, why that's is a that false true? statement. It's so true because my mom told that's me That's right. True. That's why it's true. Because you think it is because your mom told you. It, 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 by the way, I, this guys, is true. If you guys Google. cross your eyes and the wind changes direction, it'll stay that way. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if, if, hair, if wet hair makes you shivery, <laughs> it's an inflammatory response. So you probably already have a viral infection brewing. Says uh, Poonam Krishan, 
a GP, and author of How to Be a Doctor and Other Life-Saving Jobs. Uh, but if you're otherwise healthy, you won't catch a cold. Lack of sleep and stress affect your immune system, leaving you susceptible, but you only catch colds from other people, particularly in cold weather. Viruses and bacteria spread easily when we're huddled indoors with no ventilation. So um, I wonder if part of that comes from like back in the day, people were getting more colds in the colder months. I found and it. so they were saying, you found what? The what the fuck did you find, Brian? So this Brian, myth, this is the guardian, dude. This myth, it, this agrees, it false is the correct answer. The myth that you lose most of your body heat through your head yeah, you probably came from, the your myth mom. probably came from experiments <laughs> in the 1950s. It came from your mom. And then it just goes buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, it came from experiments in the 1950s when military researchers exposed subjects to frigid temperatures the final results concluded that 40 to 45 percent of all body heat was lost through the head yeah. due to the nature of the experiment leaving the participant participants heads exposed to the cold air in reality the head only represents about 10 percent of the body's total surface therefore making 40 to 45 percent of the body heat loss l- unlikely right yeah, so it's military experiments. You know, well, how about this? We're going to touch on that, so I'll, I'll I'll come back to that. I've got something to say on that. We actually we actually won't because uh, uh, there was twenty of these and I only took ten. But oh, okay. that but that was one. Well, of them. then let me speak to it then. When, right. when, when I was in junior high, and this won't fucking surprise you, and I'm sure I'll catch some snide comments from you for this. But I was. Oh God, you beat up some kid who played magic. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I and was not a bully. Didn't wear winter um, hats. I was more protective than I was. Uh, um, Protective of yourself? No, protective of like people. Your insecurities? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, yes, uh, at that time, very much so. Um, I would um, probably like around puberty, I started to like fucking sweat a lot, like in class. Like I would get hot. Yeah, and that's I, why you wore just be literally I'd, wore no pants. To and I'd just be and I'd be like sweating. I, I'd I'd get like an ass sweat like really regularly. Taylor, class. Taylor literally, no Dude. joke, wore only boxers to school. I did. That was in elementary school though. Not in junior high. Junior high. No, I never did that in junior high. Um, um, and and so anyway, I take my shoes off and I just put my feet on the floor, and 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 I just wouldn't wear and and you know you know like you know like old like ju- school tile floor, linoleum, cold, like cold. cold tile cold school floor. floor. I would and I, and I would immediately within like five minutes I'd be cooled down. So that was my You're like a dog. That was my little hack. Mm. I'd put my feet on the cold floor. And I would, uh, it would, it would regulate my body temperature. That's how dogs cool off. They're through their toe beans. I bet your shoes stank. No, dude. Yeah, probably. Well, how about this one? True or false? Carrots help you see in the dark. Uh, no, but they do help you see better. Help you see in the dark. Probably false. I guess. T- I guess technically, yeah, they True. would help you see in the dark. True. Carrots yeah. contain vitamin A, which is important uh, for healthy eyesight. vision because it helps a uh, a pigment in the retina called rhodopsin. Raw dog, raw dogging. Uh, <laughs> this Redogson. this is necessary for low light vision. Uh, vitamin A deficiency can lead to difficulties seeing in low light. So get uh, getting so getting enough from foods such as carrots, leafy greens, and sweet potatoes is important for your night vision. Jared, I'm a, I've been on your train lately, dude. Carrots are carrots are making me sick. They're fucking oh, nasty, making dude. me. Fuck you guys that. are crunchy. I, I love raw carrots Ugh. with no dip no. or anything. Just, <gasps> no. just fucking raw baby carrots. No. Are, that's Dude, my Kyla made a couple meals in the past like three weeks that she put little <sighs> like chopped up hard, like uh. hard ass pieces of baby carrot in it. No. And I, 
I actually like halfway through just had to separate them out because it was really yeah. fucking. No, that's me with carrots corn and peas. My night. I, I I'm with you on that too. Fucking like, carrots, I, corn, peas. I fuck like, all them. I like corn. I peas. I prefer all vegetables raw with nothing on them. They taste so much better than when so you cook you got them. To, so you get more raw dogging, so you can see better. Yeah. <laughs> How about this one? Spicy curry induces labor. True or false? Don't know. Well, oh, you have man. it's fucking you true. Choose one or the other. I haven't feel comfortable. Uh, guessing. I'm gonna say <laughs> false. false. True. Uh, tr- uh, true. It is false. <laughs> <laughs> the theory is that spice stimulates the gut to work harder and can uh, stimulate the uterus at the same time. Your baby's not born in your gut. Uh, yeah. When you are about to... What? <laughs> when you're about to go into labor, the gut naturally gets irritated. So most women will experience diarrhea as a sign the baby is coming. However, no food will bring on labor. It was probably imminent anyway. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is an interesting one here. Feed a cold, starve a fever. What? Feed a cold, That's starve I, a fever. I always think of that. True or false? True. If you have a cold, feed. I thought if, you, it was, if you have a fever, starve. I actually thought it was feed a fever, starve, starve a cold. Feed a cold, starve a fever. Uh, I'm going to say false. I always said it backwards in my head, so I was yeah. even if it's true, I was doing it You're the doing wrong way. Because, <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you my reasoning for this. Especially with a flu, you're likely to vomit or have diarrhea, and you're going to be giving away a bunch of shit. Even though you might end up puking that out or shitting that out of your ass you got to be you got to be filling up the tank while you're before you say the answer can we not agree that feed a fever starve a cold sounds better than feed a cold starve a fever yeah there's a little bit of alliteration there if you could save a horse ride a cowboy two in the hand is a pan in in the jam um (laughs) it's true so this is actually really interesting. I didn't know this. Fuck, I, I, I never, I never heard this before. Interesting. Um, it is more accurate to say feed a virus, starve bacteria. So uh, nutrition is important for recovery, hence feeding a cold, ideally with carbohydrates, to fuel immune responses against the virus. Conversely, bacterial infections benefit from fasting. Uh, the body's response to bacteria can be extreme, so reducing carbs stop the immune system from going into overdrive. Fluids are essential in both types of illness, however, mm-hmm. and it's better to eat little and oft and as often as and it's better to eat little and as and often as po- if possible in both situations. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what is the actual correct saying again? So, so I can try to remember. Feed that. a virus, starve bacteria. Feed a virus. The flu is a virus. Yeah, and the and the cold is a cold is back bacteria. Is it uh, cold? Can a, be cold viral. is virus. Uh, 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 I mean, this feed a cold, starve a fever is isn't doesn't shouldn't really be it. It should be feed a virus, starve bacteria. Right, because they're not exclusively one. Do you have a flu virus or a cold virus? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, no, which one? Which one is it? I think flu virus or cold virus. Both viral. Flu virus, cold bacteria. You could have a bacterial flu. I'm sure. Could you? I don't know. I thought a flu was a virus. How do you know when you have a bacterial infection or Signs of bacterial a, infection a include shortness of breath, a fever that doesn't go away, a cough that lingers more than seven to ten days, and other symptoms have cleared, especially bringing up mucus. Um, bacterial flu. Yeah. Yeah. There's bacterial flu. Oh, okay. Uh, there's viral flu. All right. I mean, I guess that's not the craziest so thing. So I guess this saying is really difficult to know unless you know if you have a bacterial yeah. flu or a viral flu. So it's feed a virus, starve a bacteria, and wank of a fungal. <laughs> now, how about this one? Cracking your knuckles will give you arthritis. That's false. That's uh, true. That's false. Dude, the, it's, it, this is... A, Did it, you think it was true? No. Not, <laughs> I've heard I want, that. I want, ser- I want serious answers here, but... I, I mean, I, that, I, I that was my them. guess. It, yeah, I've, no, I've, I've asked several people. It's just, okay. it's just the... It's just the 
It's just the popping of a little bubble in between. It's the uh, rapid synovial, release of nitrogen fluid, gas. I, I like fluid that lubricates our joints. I yeah. like the sound of crack. Can you guys crack, crack your knuckles? I just cracked it. Oh, yeah. Ow! Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Ow! Oh. Yeah, guys. I'm, I'm quite impressed. I was looking for some bone-breaking sounds, uh, but I don't have them queued up here. Um, this is an interesting one. It takes, uh, this is one I probably heard as a kid. It takes up to seven years to digest swallowed, uh, uh, swallowed gum. chewing gum. That's true. totally false. It's false. It actually is false, but I believed it to be true for a long time. And I then believed I it to it be true as a kid. Yeah. It is false. Chewing gum is uh, made of sweeteners, preservatives, and softeners, which digest... Uh, which the digestive system just breaks down. Dude, if but chewing gum, if if swallowing gum, I mean, I, I, oh, I don't know why you wouldn't, I don't know why you'd be told not to swallow gum because it's obviously easily digestible. But like, if you were to swallow a gob of gum and it just stayed in your gut, do you know how many problems that would cause you? I mean, That's why I don't probably one or two. Like if somebody listening to that was gum? scientifically literate, Always. they'd be like, holy do you, shit. Do you not? No, I don't. I don't swallow gum. I don't chew gum. Dude, I don't. I, I chew gum five times a day. Swallow five times a day. I don't. So if you like gun to my head, if you ask me if I stomach attack, I was gonna say, guys, I actually don't chew gum. Gun to my head. If you if you ask me the truth mm -hmm. of if I thought that it would stay in your stomach for seven years, I would say no. Okay, but there's something about actually doing it that like swallowing gum that that makes me feel weird because. I've been traumatized by being told for right. so long that it won't digest for seven years. Now, so I just do it. I just don't do it. I just don't swallow. Gum. Now, how do you feel about true or false? If you swallow watermelon seeds, watermelons will grow in your belly. True. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I don't yeah. do that. I think that's a magic school episode, maybe. Um, all right. Final one. Last one. Urine relieves jellyfish stings. True. That's true. False. Really? Now, here's a really interesting thing. Ammonia being alkaline, is thought to neutralize the acid from bee stings. Right. Which is where this myth probably arose. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know that ammonia, being alkaline, is thought to neutralize acid from bee stings. Wouldn't that mean that if you got stung on the neck with a bee, yeah, get your yeah. buddy to piss on your neck? For so, sure, yeah. Well, ammonia is in pee, so. Yeah. Or it's in urea, I guess. Right. Um, but it, it could actually make jellyfish stings worse. Uh, peeing on it by causing the venom to release more toxins. Um, water or urine can change the composition of the solution of any remaining stinging cells in the skin. So, uh, so can encourage more venom release. Also, uh, introducing bacteria to the skin risks infection. Obviously, it's better to remove any tentacles with tweezers or scrape them off with a credit card and then ask a doctor for oral pain relief or an anti-inflammatory cream. There you huh. Go. Well, but you if you get stung by a bee, fucking cover yourself in piss. Do you think that that came from some guy who was just like some guy <laughs> who just seen in uh, in uh, uh, Land of the Lost, where he's like, where he's like, the dinosaur can't smell you if you if you're yeah. covered in its own urine. So he's collecting dinosaur urine. He's just and he's covering himself in, with a big jug. Will Ferrell's covering himself in piss. And Do you he's think? Ah, like, oh, it stings. And he's like, you gotta get some in your mouth, and then he gargles it. Yeah. Oh, do you God. think? Uh, do you think if that girl? Do you think if uh, the girl from My Girl got covered in piss, she would have lived in the end of the movie? It was the boy. It was Macaulay Culkin. The, yeah. Do you think if if the girl pissed on him, yeah, he would have lived? Yeah. I mean, what an idiot. But she didn't know that. Should she should have sprayed him, dude? That was Macaulay Culkin, right? <clears throat> I don't know, dude. Dude, Kieran know. Culkin's on top of the world right now. Speaking of on top of the world, we're done. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Sick Boy Podcast. 
And if you want to support the podcast, you can do that by going over to Spotify or Apple, Apple and leaving a rating and review. review. And you can go to Discord and the Discord links in the show notes, show notes. And you can come on over and have a chat yeah, with us and leave same. stuff for yeah. us to talk about on the podcast. It's really fun. Maybe producer of the week next week. If you want to be a guest on the show, go to sigwaypodcast.com, click the button, and, and fill out the, out guest, the guest form. form. And a huge thank you to uh, Jeff, Jeff Lonis, who is our manager, and, and Rich O'Coin for the theme music. music. That's it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm, I'm Taylor. And I'm, I'm Jeremy. Jeremy. And this, and this is, is Sick, Sick Boy. Boy. So annoying. <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.